0: It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here's your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hello, everyone. glad you could join us. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. The Q3 2021 issue is in production and will be available soon. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com intelligence. Interesting topic today. The United States has always been an attractive market for foreign investment and trade, mainly due to its size and pro-business practices. Yet there are rules and regulations to which foreign investors must adhere before they can take an ownership stake in any American company. At the same time, there are trade restrictions on foreign sourced equipment and technology that may be coming into the country. This has been a big talk point in telecommunications in recent years. Navigating these rules and regulations can be daunting for most businesses as changes and revisions are made regularly. Here with me today, to share his expertise and insights on foreign investment and trade in the U.S. is Jim Hooley, partner and international attorney at Phillips Lytle. Jim, welcome to Tower Talks.
1: Pleasure to be here, John.
0: Great to have you. Look, uh, give us a little background on your experience in this area, Jim.
1: Well, it's uh, it goes back quite a ways. As, you, uh, as uh, someone who was around when cable was revolutionary, uh, I was working <laughs> then as a uh, staffer in the United States Senate. I worked for a couple of senators The, the final being the now I hate to say late Senator Bob Dole. Uh-huh. He was Republican leader. And aside from being a, a senior staffer for him who handled parking spaces, payroll, politics and paperclips. Uh, I also handled telecommunications and trade. Uh-huh. And at that point, uh, that was in uh, 1990, 91, 92. And we were debating the cable act which had a lot to do with uh, the allocation of, of permissions between bro- over-the-air broadcast cable. Um, a lot of the uh, delivery systems we're dealing with today uh, where they may have been on somebody's horizon but that person was technical and visionary. Those people were t- and I wasn't one of them I was just a political staffer but it, early on it got me very interested in the possibilities uh, not only the technical possibilities and the commercial possibilities but the astonishing political and social possibilities as media evolved and it's kind of been uh, uh, an obsession ever since I left the Senate I practiced law for a while in the communications area uh, worked uh, kind of lobbied the FCC if you will after that worked in a consulting firm that was involved in the um, in the marketing and acquisition of high-tech communications, and te- technology, largely in the classified area. 9/11 happened. That activity became much more intense and government-funded. And I finally escaped from all of that, uh, uh, unable to find honest work. I went back to practicing law. And, uh, <laughs> pleased to be with, uh, with with Phillips Lytle. And I've been dealing with, uh, particularly because of my national security background, dealing with foreign direct investment and its regulation since then, as well as well as ex- export-import laws generally.
0: Well, let's talk about that. When when a company wants to invest in the United States uh, and we see a lot of foreign investment coming into the country in various uh, uh, industries and verticals, but particularly in telecommunications, uh, what uh, what are some of the steps that they must follow to even get that investment approved?
1: Well, John, to look at it from a broad perspective, not just that of towers, uh, the th- there's no question that the regulatory process for foreign direct investment in the United States has become more complex and involved Mm -hmm. uh, just in in the last three years, let alone the last decade. Uh, The Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, or as it's colloquially called in Washington, CFIUS, from the acronym, uh, plays a very large role and has gotten a lot of expanded authority and direction. John, there's no question that over the last decade, and especially in the last three years, the process for approval of a foreign direct investment uh, in telecommunications services, mm-hmm. products, or infrastructure has become, and in fact, foreign direct investment in the United States in general, has become more complex, uh, more regulatorily burdened, uh, and, and, and frankly, a little stricter and focused on technology because the process is more involved, however, doesn't mean it isn't manageable. It just takes a little more active guidance and involvement, uh, whether it's people like me or, or uh, other counsel, it's, it's important to have someone get you through these. Some of the things that apply, the, the, the most obvious is the review by the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, CFIUS or CIPIUS as we say in Washington, because we love acronyms and love to toss mm-hmm. them around. And that telecom, too. Gr- <laughs> that, has, that has been greatly strengthened uh, in the last few years. It would appear in reaction to trading activities and threats uh, with China, but it's not limited to China. Sure, um, it, it just seems to, a lot of the leading cases seem to involve prospective Chinese investment, but particularly in the telecommunications area and, and in infrastructure. CFIUS uh, used to be simply a national security review. Is there a threat to the national security from this investment? Now there are much more detailed and complex regulations. The process is broken down. You can file a long form, or if you don't think there's a national security implication, you can file a short form declaration, which is a great thing to be able to do because it shortens the timeline. So the notice right. review can be is over 100 days. With the declaration, you get it in 30. And frankly, when you're doing a deal, time matters. <laughs> time is money. Time, yes. not just your expenditures on lawyers and consultants and investment bankers, but simply deal to, time mm-hmm. to closing the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very helpful. There are instances where CIFIA's filing is absolutely mandatory. That's new. It used to be a voluntary process, although you would you would decide not to do it at your own risk because if CFIUS later decide you should have filed, they could go back, halt the deal, review it, demand mitigation steps, changes to the deal, or even go to the president and have it unwound. They still have that power. But the great thing about the short form review, one of the reasons we recommend it, even if it's not mandatory, is you get that that bit of insurance. You get that get out of jail free card. Within 30 days, you have a ruling one way or the other. And if the ruling isn't, no, we need to go to a full notice review, then you're basically insulated from further from having the deal unwound under the Defense Production Act by the president. That said, uh, CFIUS is not the only, only filter through which you must pass. There are others depending on what kind of your deal structure and who your investment might be mm-hmm. and exactly what your investment is in. But CFIUS is really the first hurdle. Uh, the first of, of several hurdles. It There's a particular new provision for those mandatory filings that I mentioned for specific kinds of investments. Those are called uh, TID investments, critical technology, critical infrastructure, and critical and sensitive data. If you're investing, for example, just in towers alone, mm-hmm. as we read the regulations, while we would recommend a CFIUS filing, For the reasons we've discussed, it is not, if it's just the tower alone, John, the filing does not appear to be mandatory. Towers alone are not specified in the the category of the rule that mentions mandatory filings. If, however, you are a foreign investor in towers and that tower is in a specific geographic location Mm -hmm. within a specified range to a sensitive national security facility, if the tower is connected to and is providing telecommunications and other data services to a sensitive and a list of specified military or national security installations. An important aspect about this mandatory filing requirement is that it's even for a non-controlling investment in these critical industries, the technology infrastructure and data industries. But John, there is an exception that I think will be of interest to your listeners. Even for an investment in such businesses, filing is not mandatory if, if you are from what's called in the regulations, a quote, accepted investor state, close quote. Now, there may be more in the future, but right now, there are only three of those. The United Kingdom, Australia, and our friends in Canada to the north. The the selections are not surprising in view of the long history of shared security interests. But there are certain requirements to qualify. You can't just set up a business in these countries and be a front for someone else. You have to be incorporated there. You have to be organized there. You have to have certain ownership percentages. But if you meet those thresholds, no mandatory filing requirement for these investments from those states. You really can't do without taking a close look at this before you go forward to see if to see number one, if a filing is required, if it's mandatory, and number two, if it's not, as we frequently discover, whether or not it's a good idea anyway, often it is. The the next filter for someone in the telecommunications business is if you are um, getting into a deal with an existing tower complex and your contracts, your investment will give you responsibility for not just the tower, but for some of the equipment, Gotcha. uh for upgrading the equipment mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is a the department of commerce has enacted a rule pursuant to an executive order last year which was renewed by the current administration so this really isn't political it's pretty bipartisan called uh called icts which is the information communications technology systems and it basically prohibits an american person that is, someone who is an American, is incorporated in America, or if you're here doing business, which if you make an investment, you become an American person for that purpose. You can't, you cannot buy equipment from these specified sources, China, North Korea, uh, Iran, Sudan. Um, But you're also gonna be subject, they were talking now about expanding that review. The, The initial rule just mentioned those countries but that list is going to grow. It's very clear to me. So that's another thing as an investor, you have to look at who's going to own the equipment, who's going to be responsible for it. What engagement and exposure do we have for those kinds of decisions or Mm -hmm. for operating that equipment? Again, it depends on the structure of the deal. Um, So you're talking
0: about equipment coming into the country from these uh, named countries.
1: As, as being,
0: being on the list and, and subject yeah, right. to some kind it, of restriction.
1: It, 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 the communications, technology, and services from sourced from these listed gotcha. countries under the rule is, um, is is a no-go. It's going to get you into, into some – you're going to have to explain it, and it, there aren't many good explanations left to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. um, it's just another thing. Many tower investors are not going to be concerned with that, but right. depends on your contract. You know, you have to see what it, the last thing is if, and this would be unusual for a tower investor to be involved in, in the landing or communications operations license uh, at the FCC. Now, tower investors do register with the FCC. There are requirements and clearances, and most of your listeners are going to be far too familiar with these and they would prefer, mm-hmm. but if there, if what's involved is a landing license, what's called a section 214 license, mm-hmm. then there's another review process That's at the federal community. It's led by the Federal Communications Commission. Other government agencies are all involved. Um, The timeline originally uh, was 45 days. It looks like it could be much longer than that now. Um, That's going to be an unusual situation. Your best defense against that is you still have to go to the FCC for the license, but for the team telecom review, as it's called, uh, if you have CFIUS approval, You don't need the team telecom review. You just have the 214 license review from the FCC. Gotcha. So that sounds like a whole bramble bush of regulatory uh, uh, webs and catches. It's all navigable. The important thing is to anticipate, is to analyze your deal, look at your source of funding, anticipate whether filing would be mandatory, Mm -hmm. and if it's not, whether it would be a good idea anyway, look at the other of these regulatory approvals that you may require given the structure of your deal, um, and just build the time and resources into your deal timeline to accommodate mm-hmm. it.
0: Gotcha. So this this you know, these regulations and, and practices are going to affect different parties in the in the industry. I mean, this like the carriers themselves who would be the prime purchasers of any any technology and and uh, and the like. So uh, you know the 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 ecosystem that's affected by all of this uh, is uh, is pretty wide. I, I gather. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So you know we're in a high cycle in in telecom and in, in wireless. Um, you know, there's 5G buildouts. There's new spectrum coming on stream. Uh, the, the carriers have budgeted uh, significant increases in their CapEx uh, uh, over the next few years. And and on top of that, we have public funding that's come on stream as well or coming on stream um, with the recent Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and, and a few other funding programs. I mean, that has some pretty interesting implications, I think, for what we're talking about here.
1: You know, John, it's remarkable. We've noticed in our practice at Phillips Lytle that the that the tower investment market seems to be very hot right now. We Mm -hmm. have two major transactions on the front burner right now uh, that we're working on. And uh, we're very optimistic about closing them early in Q1, we hope. Mm -hmm. But what interests me about that is you wonder whether all of this public funding washing into the system is a great support for private funding to leverage, or does it compete with private funding? That's an analysis that a lot of your listeners are going to want to have to make for themselves. Look at the amounts of money, though, John, yep. um, under, under the the what they call the hard infrastructure bill, as opposed to the build back better, or as my Republican friends are calling it, build back bankrupt. You know, <laughs> but it's BDB <laughs> one way or the other. Really depends. You know how, what you call it depends on, on which side you're, uh, what side you're, you're on, on. right? <laughs> but but there is in the hard infrastructure bill, which was passed uh, on, on a bipartisan basis. Yep. There's 65 billion dollars in there for broadband infrastructure, mm-hmm. and our wireless friends did a great job making sure that Congress is aware that 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 wireless broadband has to be a big part of this. Yep. Um, and so they they managed to get the the. Uh, the upload and download times a little bit more in sync with their capabilities, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to someone's theory. We went from, you know, 100 megabits per second both ways to, uh, to 10 megabits and 20 megabits one 20. way and 100 the other. Right. The but what's interesting is all this money is out there, and the questions, of course, that have not yet been resolved is who's going to spend it, how's mm-hmm. it going to be spent, who's going to be in charge of overseeing how it's spent. Mm-hmm. Um, That's going to, how is it going to be allocated? That's going to make a big difference, I think, in the economic proposition uh, of various different kinds of broadband investment. It looks right now, from the language of the statute, that the state authorities, whatever those are, and they are widely varied, um, they're widely varied, but the, the, the state authorities and whatever agencies act within those authorities plus a number of specific federal agencies are all going to get discrete chunks of this money to administer. Um, and the regulations as to how they're going to administer those haven't been written. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, in addition to the 65 billion, the FCC is already sitting on over $30 billion that they got under the previous, you know, COVID relief, the, the so-called CARES right. Act. Right. Even the FCC can't spend money that fast. They haven't. They haven't figured out. I think, as best as I can tell, what to do with a lot of it. So there's a lot of money out there already in the system. If you're investing private capital, um, you need to figure out how to avoid competing with it, or or how to take advantage take of it. Take advantage leverage of it. Sure. It. leverage it for 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 your purposes for better rates for for getting a lot of your costs covered. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all. So, to look at it. What my recommendation would be that anybody listening to this podcast who's interested in these issues, the trick for this is watch these rulemakings very carefully that are going to be happening at the Department of Commerce, particularly at the NTIA, the National Telecommunications yep. and Information Administration, which yep. is likely under as the statute is written to become the lead agency for a lot of the federal oversight. Okay. More so. More so than the FCC. The FCC has got more on their plate than they can handle. This is not, this is not their, they will frankly tell you, this is not in their wheelhouse. Right. So this kind of public interest distribution of massive amounts of funds is going to come through mostly, I think, through, through commerce and watch the NTIA particularly. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Very good. I mean, this a lot to, lot to consider, a lot to uh, digest here, Jim, um, um, you know, I'd like to kind of wrap up as uh, uh, with a with a few a few concluding remarks. I mean, how how would what else should we be looking for thinking about as we uh, as we move into the new year in terms of you know the oversight, the regulation, the uh, you know, the legislative uh, actions uh, uh, that are going to affect our business.
1: Well, John, the only thing I can tell you is someone who was a Senate and White House staffer for fourteen years and has been dealing with this regulated industry for over 30, is that with all of this massive amount of money and new regulation that's come into the system, they're still not satisfied. It's never enough.
0: Never. Congress is, is yeah. already
1: up to a few more things. For example, uh, the, the National Defense Authorization Act, which the final conference report of which is on the Senate floor this week. The House mm-hmm. is in session, mm-hmm. So we're only... F- so only half of Congress is out. America's 50% safe. Uh, we'll be fully safe in the Senate at <laughs> least. Um, but but there, in, that, in the NDAA, there are provisions relating to uh, review processes for the allocation of spectrum that's previously uh, allocated to the government. Again, spectrum is a scarce resource. They're mm-hmm. like land. They're not making any more of it, unless the Chinese and Spratly Islands, they're making more land. But, but they're not making more spectrum. And that anytime there, there's more, further regulation of a scarce resource, I think your listeners are going to want to keep an eye on what happens there. Beyond that, there are several bills pending in Congress to make even tighter the restrictions on the products from disfavored countries uh, coming into the country. You'd think that the commerce regulation would be enough, uh, but Senators Rubio and Paul have a... a uh, have a bill pending in the Senate commerce committee that would absolutely prohibit any kind of telecommunications equipment from certain sources. Um, you just got to watch that stuff because de- again, depending on the structure investment or where you're making it right. uh, and who, the, and what the composition of your investors is, mm-hmm. you're going to be into that gun sight. So you need to know how it's aimed. Excellent.
0: Well, look, this is, this has been great. Um, uh, how, how can, um, interested parties contact you or, or, um, learn, find out more about Phillips Lytle,
1: uh, if they want to pursue this? Uh, we would be absolutely delighted to hear from anybody at, uh, at, you can go to our website at phillipslytle.com. Um, uh-huh. uh, my own, my own email, which I'll happily give is J-W-H-O-L-E-Y at Phillips, two L's, Lytle, okay. Um, and, uh. We're, we're, we're happy to do that. We've got a pretty strong team in this area, John, as you know. So, we're certainly happy to answer questions. You don't, uh, you don't, you don't have to hire us to, to have a couple of questions answered, and we'd love to get to know you. I'm
0: sure there's going to be plenty of questions, so we'll keep you busy. But uh, so, uh, Jim, thanks a lot for for an interesting and informative conversation.
1: Appreciate it very much, John. I just want to say to you and to everybody else. Merry Christmas. Have great holidays.
0: Happy holidays to you, too. And thanks to everyone for listening in. This concludes this Tower Talks episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to
1: Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.